All right. Good morning. Good afternoon or good evening, everyone. I'm extremely excited uh, for today's call and I'm very appreciative of those that were able to be here in real time. For those that are not able to be here in real time, not to worry, this will be on the Patreon. And uh, please know that as of the day this is being recorded, Saturday, April 29th, we plan to have another group call in the next 48 to 72 hours for those that couldn't make it today. More of a leisure discussion than, than a presentation, just to kind of let those that are, uh, especially the new members, uh, ask the questions they would like and, you know, think on what was presented after today. So uh, today's episode, uh, we'll be focusing, we'll be using a little bit more of, uh, or extensively, a sort of a virtual drawing board in this case. Um, today's episode is called uh, Pac-Man's Mouth, Coral Castle, What is Gravity, Vertical Entropy, The Electron Half Spin, Kabbalah Unification, and Kundalini is a Particle Accelerator Force with a question mark at the end. So it may sound like a lot, but I promise that what we're discussing and what we'll be looking at here encompasses um, all of the underlying principles with respects to when we look at certain individuals in the past, Leonardo da Vinci, Plato, you name it. A lot of these individuals were not just scientists or mathematicians. They were also alchemists. They were also philosophers. They were many other things as well, which gives credence to the possibility that when one taps or and sees this underlying energy uh, in whichever way they do respectively, it you can apply it to all of life because one could argue it is life, so to speak, or at least in this particular uh, reality, for lack of a, a better description. So Let's begin today with the uh, sketchboard here, and let's go in order of what I mean in particular by, um, we'll start with what gravity is, so to speak, and I know that's kind of like, whoa, what, that's, a, that's a bold uh, you know, thing to state, um, but let's take it, re let's really take it back to the fundamentals uh, with respects to this idea of electromagnetism. And so what I mean by electromagnetism in particular is there's this there's been this um, proposal in the past that if one could manipulate epsilon and mu, um, epsilon is electric permittivity and mu is magnetic permeability, which is not anything per se that you would need to, to note down, um, but you'll find that from a philosophical and archetypal perspective, you'll find that the electric permittivity of the ether or the vacuum is very much like the divine masculine. And the magnetic permeability is very much like the divine feminine. Now, what's interesting about this in particular is that if you have a situation, folks, where, again, a male and a female come together in an intimate regard, generally speaking, with the intent of, of, of uh, you know, birthing a child, what comes from that unison on both ends of both the divine masculine and the divine feminine, we see they come together both physically, spiritually, etc., to then produce a child, right? Which is which has both a little bit of the divine masculine, a little bit of the divine feminine. We then have to ask ourselves, well, what if? tapping this zero point energy this this um you know gravity if you want to call it what if when the vectors are summed to zero the child that comes from the electric permittivity and magnetic permeability is gravity gravitational energy to be exact what if that is one way of attempting to understand this in a way that perhaps our ancestors did 
without having to again not nothing against this because i do this myself uh, in in for other reasons but uh you know not needing to run uh you know metric coefficients and fourier decompositions and all of these you know quantum physical and quantum mechanics uh, uh formulae and equations not to say that that's not needed but the the understanding as einstein has said if i'm not mistaken i'm paraphrasing here is that if one cannot explain the most complex scientific concepts in a very simple regard they have not fully understood it and now I'm not claiming to have fully understood it. I'm 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 on a journey just like all of you. But if we were to look in this regard at the way in which this birthing occurs, it's interesting that it's we see in a visual regard. It's very similar. It's identical to the geometry of not just Hegel's dialectic, where you have synthesis, antithesis, excuse me, thesis, antithesis, and then synthesis down the middle. But we see as well this being the case with respects to a quantum physics perpendicularity as well as what the pyramids were built to be and we also see again from our last presentation is of which is recorded for the members the pine cones kissing we see this triangular formation constantly occurring whether it's a cone a pyramid there's always this tapering so to speak and it's interesting because if we were to take for example if we were to look at this particular triangle here in general what we would find is that in the 1980s, it was shown that by Hochberg and Visser out of Los Alamos that the throat of the wormhole is all that is needed to understand for a gravity wave in general and for other things as well, but we'll stick with gravity. And so if let, let's let's step back for a moment. If I'm just going to um, undo some of these for a moment. Now, imagine for a second that gravity is birthed right over here from the epsilon and mu, the vectors were summed to zero. What comes from that, we see, would be the opposite geometry of what was initially induced to create such. Now, not only do we have, again, if I were to connect these here in a visual regard, the numbers do support this, but we also have, we have the Schwarzschild uh, metric. We also have what's called the light cones in quantum physics. We also have the pine cones kissing here. Now, not only that, but if I were to continue that same pattern, by the way, folks, and continue it over and over again, one can make a strong argument you're also looking at our DNA strands and the way in which they, they twirl. If one were to draw you know, a blue strand on the right and then keep the other side uh, red, not only that, but you also have, and this is also for another episode, but I do feel the need to bring it up, you also have the same concept of what's called blue shift and red shift when ufos get closer to the planet and also when they leave the planet or uh, get uh, move more towards the upper atmosphere there's a blue light that is seen and then there's also a red light interesting the correlations between our dna between birthing a child between how when the vectors are, are summed to zero of epsilon and mu of electricity and magnetism gravity argue i mean I can say confidently gravity comes from that. It's certainly something very interesting to think about. And now with that said, we then have to ask ourselves, I'm going to just sort of, um, I'm going to do a, a, a clean slate here, so to speak. We then have to ask ourselves, we, if with, uh, with regards to uh, um, the ancient Egyptians, um, Ed Lascalan at Coral Castle, uh, over and over again, we find this right over here, we find a particular shape that is consistent across all cultures, which is this Y shape. 
right? We can say, well, this is the, you know, similar to the Tesla electric oscillator. This is very similar to that of the Egyptian Ankh. Uh, this is also, interestingly enough, if one were to extrapolate visually, this is also reminiscent of the female uh, reproductive system. Uh, the, it's interesting. And the reason I say that is because it doesn't just apply to that. Let us for a moment, and this is when things may be, uh, forgive me, uh, not difficult to grasp, but may each and every one of you may interpret this in a different way. It may be a concept that we will have to revisit. But we see, for example, that we currently live in a world where all of our systems, electrically, magnetically, you name it, cars, you know, outlets, all of this, reside in what's called a closed thermodynamic system, basically. Now, what's interesting about this is that how could we create a system where we can use this, this, uh, this apparatus to pull energy from the ether or the vacuum? Well, officially mainstream science will say that that's not the case, but I can tell you right now that as in life in general, nothing's ever the case until it is. So let's just kind of put that aside. Um, but the point here ultimately would be this. How would one open up a system that is closed from the rest of its environment, but still keep it running while it's pulling energy from the outside environment. Let's take what we just looked at with the divine masculine and the divine feminine. Here, we will find that interestingly enough, if we use the same geometry visuals that we did with respects to giving birth to a child, what ends up happening very interestingly is that you will see right over here a very interesting scenario, which is that when the divine masculine, divine feminine, electric permittivity and magnetic permeability, the vectors are summed to zero, you're not tapping the zero that you're taught in school. There's a zero underneath that. It's like basically saying, you know, there's two, there's two, there's two layers of bed sheets on your bed, but your, your parents are trying to convince you there's only one. And you say, no, there's two, there's one underneath. And they're like, no, 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 it doesn't exist, even though it's there. You can say that's called being gaslit, sure. Basically, what ends up happening is you have a situation where you are creating, just like Ed Scallon did, a situation where the divine masculine and the divine feminine are opening themselves up to the outer environment, which speaks to fractals. And what they're doing is they're allowing the energy from outside to then be pulled in. And then from there, what ends up happening is the energy then is extracted out this way as well. Now, if we look at this sideways, a fun way to try and remember it is this looks like Pac-Man's mouth. We are currently living in, uh, half joking, half serious, uh, a closed Pac-Man body, so to speak. But we have the capability to organically open up that mouth, so to speak. Now, what's interesting about this, again, is we can take this example here and apply the divine masculine and the divine feminine, except it's just the other way around. It's coming from the vacuum or the ether going into the system to continuously feed the system itself. So not only do you have, again, the Egyptian Ankh, you also have, if I may, uh, if we were to make a, a connection, even dare I say, to the uh, the symbolism of uh, of Freemasonry, and I don't say that negatively nor positively, it's uh, truly up for you to decide. It's not for me to say nor influence you folks uh, respectfully. 
it's interesting to note that the same geometries keep coming up again and again and again to the point where, by the way, if we were to look at a power system in general, say your car, when, when your car turns on, look at this right over here. When your car turns on, it looks like this, right? Like the, the power symbol looks like this. And not just for your car, but for other things too. This is a normal power symbol. Dare I say that from a practical regard, it's so in our face that all one has to realize is that you need to extend that power source that is turning the engine on to then induce that effect. Now, you may say, Dave, this is just a symbol that they use in their cars. I'm not saying that these symbols are deliberate. I'm just saying that it's interesting that the platonic solids, the circle, the square, and the triangle ultimately keep going back to this. There's no other way to calculate nor view this geometrically. Now, what's interesting about all of this is that if we stick with this example of the why, if you will, we have which I find absolutely incredible to me. We have in science four known forces. We have the strong nuclear force. We have the weak nuclear force. We have electromagnetism. And then we have gravity, right? Now, there's been this proposal that, well, if one could, is there another force or what, what could unify all four of these? Because publicly right now, they can't be unified. There's no way of understanding how they could be unified. Is there, in, I, I very strongly believe there is in fact a fifth force that connects all of the other four and unifies the other four. Now, this is where it gets interesting, folks. Why do I say that? Well, this is half of the Kabbalah, if we look at it geometrically. Okay, not only that, but what if for a moment we were to take this right over here and take the divine masculine and feminine sum to zero concept? What you have here. Now, this is going to be very peculiar, at least to me it is. What you have here is the Egyptian Ankh that is emitting, just like fractals, just like Pythagoras's two-to-one ratio, from one comes two. But let me take it one step further for you folks. Is this, you see this setup right here where my mouse is, this fifth unifying force that, uh, that connects uh, the other four respectively? Is this not very similar to the double slit experiment? <laughs> When they basically have to ascend, when they essentially take a, um, uh, sorry, give me one second here, folks. Just want to make sure that, uh, there we go. Everyone's muted. Thank you. Um, this is identical to the double slit experiment where you are taking a laser beam and you are splitting the beam itself. And so what's interesting about this is also if we were to take that concept whether it's the, the double slit experiment, you can call it that, you can call it the Egyptian Og, you can call it whatever you like. And we were to take another one here and make the connection like this. What you have in the center is you are looking at right here a few different things. You are looking at in quantum physics today, what is called the Aronoff-Bohm effect. But you are also looking at, by the way, folks, you're also looking at what is called the uh, in ancient Egypt, the Eye of Ra and Horus. Because what you're seeing here is over and over, and you're also looking at a, a, a visualization of the tuning forks. The geometries are all intertwined to an extremely strong degree. And so this brings us to the next, uh, we could say, discussion about the, um, the Kundalini as a particle accelerator. And what do I mean by that? Well, I'm not, a, I'm not super well versed in Kundalini, but what I can tell you is that there is a theory out there that we as humans are particle accelerators. And so what that means essentially is 
uh, say, for example, you take an electron and you put it on a, a rubber belt or an elastic band and you start to spin or um, find a way, like use a cyclotron to spin that electron over and over on that band. What's interesting about that is that if you look at the human body, it's interesting to note that Kundalini seems to spark particularly at the crown chakra, which also seems to be the same, we could say, light cone or as what others have described as an emittance, just like a gravity wave from the root chakra of the body. And so what's happening is, is when Newton said force equals mass times acceleration, he was not wrong in my opinion. What you're doing there is you are sparking a charge through the body proportional to the resonant frequency your internal organs are accelerating at or resonating at, excuse me. And your they they say there's only two strands to the DNA. I would certainly say there's a third one right down the center, which also speaks to the Z-axis. For those that are familiar, we'll get into that into in another presentation. But we see that same concept of by of the energy needing time to resonate, build up, and then explode via implosion in this regard. And here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take it even one step further, which is <clears throat> Let's take a look, for example, at the human brain or the human mind from a bird's eye view, from the top view. We see, for example, that there are two hemispheres of the brain, right? Now, it's been shown that if one removes this, the human skull, the pineal gland is in a sort of spiral type sense and looks visually like this. Here's what's equally as interesting, folks. If you were to just very simply connect the two, and this can all be substantiated mathematically and scientifically, if you were to connect the two, what ends up happening is you are not just looking at the human head from above, you are looking at, again, the thesis, antithesis, and then synthesis, but you're also looking at what the earth looks like with the Schumann resonance at the center of the planet. We know this because if we look at, uh, for example, certain individuals from the late 1990s that attempted to bring out these uh, gravity applications, they talked about how it harm harnesses the Schumann resonance, which has been known to be the heartbeat of the planet. And so we then have to ask ourselves, is the heart, it, okay, basically, let's put it this way, what if the planet itself putting the inner earth proposal aside just for a moment what if the schumann resonance as what you know some of what the uh, the third reich had called the inner sun i believe if i'm not mistaken um what if this is what the schumann resonance emits and this is the earth's heartbeat and these plasma tethers run through the planet up to the surface and each one of us have our own unique tether which would explain why astronauts need to take little boxes with them when they go into space that emit the schumann resonance because you cannot be away from the larger, dare I say, heartbeat or parent of yours, for lack of a better description. So I find a lot of this to be very peculiar. But one thing I would like to, to end on for this presentation, I, I believe there's a lot to absorb here. But one thing I would like to end on in particular is something that is completely, I guess you could say, is, taught, is not taught in schools whatsoever. Uh, which is, let's go right uh, back over here to the sketch pad here, uh, which is this in particular. So we have been taught in schools, uh, give me one moment here, that an electron, for example, spins 
this way, right? And it'll, it'll just keep going as my mouse shows around and around and around. The question becomes, though, what if, as we're taught in school, the electron spins? What if there is another half of the electron we cannot observe? We cannot see. And that electron also goes this way. And they both spin perpendicular to one another to the point where in opposing spin rates to the point where they're creating a perfect vortex-like, dare I say, even Mobius strip. And what's interesting about all of that is if we were to just connect the two very simply, it's not a perfect circle, forgive me, and then draw a line down the center to signify the half integer spins, you're not only describing what's been called the Pauli exclusion principle, which also speaks to the idea of what Richard Feynman proposed, which is that a positron is just an electron going backwards in time. But from the perspective of the positron, from the perspective of the positron, it's going forward and the rest of its external environment is moving backwards. And for those that would like a practical example of that, uh, the film Tenet would be an ideal film to demonstrate that. Because there's no right or wrong. It's what you as a sovereign being and spirit are experiencing that can then be scaled up to a nuts and bolts version to then build and develop. And so it's interesting to see that this may in fact be the case. Not only that, by the way, we see in ancient, um, forgive me, uh, in uh, Baltic and Slavic regions, we see as well this particular symbol, just a circle there. And even in Norse mythology with a line right down the center, we see that symbol all over the place constantly over and over and over again so it's interesting to note to note that <clears throat> when we take everything we just discussed and if we were to try and apply it to reality what if for example and i'm going to uh use a different color here for the sake of clarity what if as we are going about our day in what we call empty space, or as we here in the group would, you know, call, uh, I think we'd all agree, vacuum, ether, you name it. Um, what if there are these vertical waves in which are, are in a ring form? They're all around us. And I'll, I'm going to draw a little bit more extensively to give you an idea. And I'll explain in a moment what I mean by this. What if for a moment... You, for example, blinking, you picking up your phone, you um, watching a film, every little task has a start and end point, but there's no necessarily beginning or end at the same time. It's a little bit trippy, I know. But now imagine, say, for example, this here, I'm, where I color in this ring, this is you completing a task, say, picking up your phone. And then the next point is, say, you standing up from your couch. And then the next point is you, say, for example, um, heading into your car to go watch a movie with friends. What? And now this is interesting because this also gives um, rise to the idea of what's been called the Z-plane or the Z-axis, whether it's in our DNA or whether it's in uh, mathematics, which is basically that in our, uh, excuse me, let me do this here. We have, normally we have X and Y. But what if when the vectors are summed to zero, when the divine masculine and the divine feminine come together, there is a, forgive me, because I can't, there's one that goes completely vertical and up. And that's your Z plane. And that would also explain the pine cones kissing. 
it would also explain uh, many things, to be honest with you. But ultimately, what if that's the case, not only with propulsion and things like this, but also with, say, for example, just give me one moment here. I'm just going to uh, very, very arbitrarily attempt to replicate um, our, uh, our, our DNA strands as it's been described to us. Again, we're told there's two. What if, in fact, there's a third one? And that is that same third one is also what allows for the Kundalini charge to occur. Now, some of you may be saying, well, Dave, this is all fine and dandy, but how could this be applied practically? I would very kindly encourage you folks, for those looking to build an experiment, um, I would encourage you folks to take everything that's been shown uh, and presented here uh, in an attempt to practically induce that in your own, whether physical experiments, thought experiments, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, because there's certainly a lot more that we can discuss and go on about, but I want to ensure that this is grasped to the fullest degree that it could be. And there's no correct way or incorrect way of grasping this. It's just I'm looking for basically that aha moment, if you will, because from there we can then move forward from these concepts to go to that next step. And then things will go from more, uh, I guess you could say immaterial to then material. And there may perhaps, uh, whether those in the audience right now, or whether those listening or watching to this later on, maybe some of you are seeing something already that's going to click or resonate with you immediately uh, that can be applied practically. So Hopefully this was a, a, I didn't go too quick. Um, I know there's a lot to cover here, which hence the recording. And um, there truly is, I mean, um, a, a proposal or a theory that this Z axis, this center, this third strand of your DNA, this, these vertical waves that exist in the, uh, in the ether all around us may in fact be the missing key that connects intuition, spirituality, uh, heuristic thinking. Um, stochastic thinking and merges the world, like Dr. Sal Paez said, of the very large with the world of the very small, the, the, the grand world, the macro world with the quantum or micro world. So this, this would certainly bring a lot of that uh, full circle, for lack of a better definition, uh, no pun intended either. So um, that's about it for today's presentation. I'm going to stop the recording, and then I'm going to, uh, we'll continue on with uh, some, open, some open discussion for those that are interested. So thank you very much, and um, we'll catch all of you very, very soon. Thank you.